As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. A bit of week four breakdown, look into week five waivers. And of course, we've got the dynamic duo of Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston in the house. Mr. Jake Seeley, how was your week four? No kickers? Ban the kickers? Anything amazing? <laughs> Not really. It was besides the continuing celebration of 2022, the year of Saquon Barkley. And just, mm. you know, every year it keeps, every week I should say, it keeps getting better. <laughs> It is. It's quite magnificent, to be honest. It's like a reverse Russian uh, nest doll or whatever it is, where they get smaller. It just gets bigger and bigger every single week as we do it. Brandon, are you ready to tackle all of the week four stuff? How was your week four bet? It was betting nice to you. I saw a lot of people complaining, not to make this about betting, about bet. This is the best week I've had. I was perfect. I made all the money where last week. So I think I'm just the the anti-sharp. Yeah, I'm the anti-sharp. So when all the sharps are making their money, I'm losing. So it makes me a donkey. But this weekend was fantastic as far as props and everything go. Devin Singletary paying off for me. How was yours? Uh, No, I was in the red on my player props. So um, I felt like I had a, a, you know, a pretty good, you know, finger on the pulse of things. But uh, a lot of just misses. But I agree. I I felt like week four was a little bit more uh, logical you know, in our yeah. world of things, you know, and I, I think the other three weeks we've been grasping for that, but I think we finally got a little bit of normalcy returned to us. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, everybody saw 48 to 45 coming for your team. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, Those exactly. are two terrible defenses. <laughs> Very interesting phrase you use when you bring up logical, because we had a, do you want to call it illogical situation or a crazy fantasy situation arise on Sunday, and I want to talk about this because I know Jake was hitting this on Twitter. Many of us, if West Coast, Brandon and I are both on the West Coast, this uh, London game started at 6.30 a.m., okay? East Coast, it's a little bit better for you guys. You got a little bit more time, but regardless, it's a very early, early time. Well, I woke up because I'm not getting up at 6 in the morning to check for one game, especially not the Saints and the Vikings, but uh, I would have benefited had I done that because any of us that were asleep woke up to an inactive Alvin Kamara, which kind of had the fantasy industry buzzing a little bit with a lot of different takes. Our uh, One of our friends, Mike Florio over uh, NFL Network, put out an interesting poll 
of saying since there were no reports, this was his poll, so I'm, I want to give him credit for it. We're kind of them stealing it, but he had said since there are no reports on Camara, and this was kind of up in the air, you know, or he would have been a scratch. If someone wasn't awake to get out of their lineup, should they be able to replace him with a player who has not played yet? He ran this poll. To my surprise, over seventy-five percent said no. Tough. Set an alarm. Uh, even some industry people, uh, Vlad Sedler, a friend, said Alva Kamara inactive, non-accountability stuff this morning felt like we were in a crazy alternative reality. I don't agree with this. And I, Jake, I kind of think you might be with me that this is a tough situation overall that maybe there is some precedent to help if it's possible. But you want to talk about uh, how you felt about the Kamara inactive situation? I just feel like I'm not a heartless, cold-blooded asshat. That's really what it comes down to. Like if you if you want to win your league on this, I get it. Look, I, you know it, it's out. We're out for blood. It's fantasy league, and I saw people saying, "Well, if there's high stakes league, or if it's just a fun league, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just not heartless. That's what it comes down to. You want to call me soft? Go right ahead. Like I, I don't care what you think because what it comes down to is I try to understand people have lives. I try to understand that. Not everybody is like us and on top of this 24 hours a day and on top of the fact that seeing that Latavius Murray got activated off the practice squad on a Saturday because people have families, people have lives, people aren't waking up and setting alarms for four o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Hell, even on the East Coast, waking up and potentially at church with your kids or family or whatever it is and not being able to check these things because everything up to this point, the report going to bed on Saturday was... You know, questionable, but should play. There was no like, oh, it's going to be a game time decision. This was should play. So I understand people out there and their situations and like understanding that they don't have their phone on top of them 24 hours a day for all the updates. And I'm just trying to be understandable. I'm trying to understand like it's not a four o'clock game. It's not a one o'clock with 13 other games and now it's 1.30. Oh, I didn't realize this at 1.30. Okay, you know, oh, tough luck. Uh, Sunday night, you had news all day, understand. This was a weird situation. We have four London games a year. Well, actually three in Germany. It's not a normal situation. And on top of it, he was supposed to play. There was no real concern. So I'm just trying to be understandable. If you want to play by the rules, quote unquote, then sure, fine. But it was even once the game was over, you still had an hour and a half before the rest of the league started where you could have plugged somebody in. I don't think you should have been allowed to pick somebody off waivers, but somebody on your bench, plug them in. I don't have a single lick of a problem with that and call me whatever. I, I, I'm just not going to be heartless about it, even if I had $10,000 on the line, just because I'm trying to understand people's lives. You know, and I got, I really, really agree. This might be a surprise in having multiple analysts agree on this front because I believe fantasy is also supposed to be fun. And yes, there are high stakes stuff. The The one counter is I, I got dealt with this situation where I have a league that we play. I play in. it's a super flex dynasty. I had Camara. I had him in. He was locked in, but I didn't really complain because we didn't have a precedent for it. But I do feel that you any league, if it wants to justify, could do this now. And I also felt, this was a big one, I also felt that it was an opportunity for a site to jump in and potentially make, because the problem is, is these rosters lock. A place like, mm -hmm. let's just say Fantrax specifically, could have been the place that what they could have done is they could have unlocked that spot so someone could have taken them out to be inactive and set the industry standard 
So it was even available because I think there would have been a lot of technical issues commissioners could have complained about. But yeah, at the end of the day, power. Yeah, yeah. If, at the end of the day, it is meant to be fun. I'm glad you said precedent, not to jump on you. And I know Brandon probably wants to jump in, but like yeah. this feels like when COVID first got it started. Like exactly. this was like, oh my God, an hour before the game or like an hour, like, you know, I'm not around. I didn't know at four o'clock I was going to have to check that blanky blank was going to be out for COVID at the four o'clock game. So like, and we all sat here and pivoted that year and said, oh, maybe we should have contingency plans for COVID. So again, like you said, this wasn't normal and nine o'clock in the morning to get information at eight o'clock, you know, for West Coast, as you said, you would have to set your alarm for five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. Just I'm just trying to be understandable. That's especially all with all the time that had there um, you know, in between it could have been. But Brandon, maybe you feel different. Maybe you feel different about this. Or are you going to agree with the three of us on the Camaro situation? Well, I mean, you guys are moving me a little bit towards agreeing, but I had this happen to me. I mean, this was my my biggest league. I've had a horrible start and, uh, you know, but I, I did wake up and I, I woke up like in the first quarter and started watching the game. I was like, where the hell is Camara? And uh, he was he was out. But I'm the commissioner of the league. I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, okay, I guess that's on me. I should have got up ahead of time and, and, and checked that. But um, yeah, it is. It's unfortunate that the timing of the of the week that they do this is the week that they're in London, and you know it's going to be an early wake up call to, to be able to catch that. But I just assumed, like, I just think I just assumed that's cut and dried. Like, whatever the game times are, you're the you're the person in charge of your team. You're in charge of charge of setting your lineup i i guess it is kind of a corner case because it's so rare and it is uh inconvenient inconvenient time for a person on the west coast for the one time you know or the three times out of the year but um i just you know i didn't even bother complaining about it i just didn't even think that was the thing you could do yeah no, an important uh, thing i want to throw I, yeah go, i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i'll give you another example my home league and we have money on the line and this is a long-standing keeper slash auction league but somebody was traveling with their family out in Wyoming. Don't ask me why Wyoming, but was out in Wyoming last weekend for the four o'clock. I uh, forget what player was questionable for four o'clock and was in the middle of nowhere service because it's Wyoming. And at four 30, it was like, Hey, I've been trying and trying and trying. I finally got through. Can you swap out blank? If he wasn't playing, I still can't even check if he's not playing. And I texted the league and I said, Hey, I, I didn't even put it up for a vote. I just said, I'm swapping him out because I understand his plight if you have a problem with it, come at me because I'm the commissioner. Like just because, again, I'm just trying to understand people play in leagues and try to do this for you said it. It's it's for fun. Like I understand money might be on the line. I understand everybody wants to win. And I'm not trying to sound like an ass when I say this, but if that's how you want to win, then fine. I think it's kind of like, you know what I'll compare it to? I saw a highlight on Instagram last week. It was this high school play, and the quarterback started waving his hand in the air and started walking towards the sideline with the ball. Like, he was like, oh, there's something wrong here, and then ran off of the end zone because it was like, a, like you know, he tricked the other team. It's like, okay, funny trick play. I don't know how it's legal to have that kind of motion or whatever it was, but it, apparently it was in high school. If you want to win that way, fine. It feels like a schmuck move to me. If it just, it does. Like you can, again, if you want to come at me, that's fine. It just feels, and I know you're not saying that Fonson, but I'm just saying like, if you want to bring the case up and then everybody sits there like, no, 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 no you're screwed. You didn't argue for it, Fonson, because you're just like, oh, that's on me. But if you were to argue it, I'd be like, okay, cool. I understand that you went through that. It's, it's tough. You're on the West Coast. But the people are saying like, screw you. You're tough luck. Be better. Like that just feels schmucky to me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And I completely agree with that. And that's kind of my point. Like uh, we, I, you know, we all kind of got hit or Brandon and I both got hit with this. I didn't complain. Uh, I do think if it's something that became an issue, leagues might consider having some type of precedent towards this with London games and, and activities for the future. And really, I just like if he had played one snap, got hurt. OK, we, we're not talking about anything, but the idea that he becomes inactive and then you can't do anything after. Really, really I also think that could be a site feature of like the guy is inactive. Why can't we swap him out? Um, but again, it, it's a conversation across the board to me, it's to have fun, but it's also wasn't worth freaking out about. So anybody that would be like, Oh my God, can you believe this stance? It's like, okay, well it happened to me. I didn't really complain, but it's worth talking about because was it, it worth created a lot of conversation. What do we say to the people that live in Hawaii or play internationally who this is just like an every Sunday kind of a deal you know what i mean yeah well what would it have been for them was it like two in the morning or something when the game went on so that's brutal uh but yeah it was a really weird situation but you know it's worth conversation and there was a lot of anti that move but a couple pe- uh, pieces here well, that are for and that. just to put the finer point like just leave it at this again i think that if questionable game time decision is different than questionable but is expected to play like every report was expected to play yeah, it was uh, it was wild. It was wild. Um, we had some big injuries uh, that are going to have different factors here. One of the biggest ones that are they expected scary. to play in week five? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. That's gonna, <laughs> might have to have a precedent for it. Uh, this first one here really seemed a lot scarier yesterday, and it seems to have chilled and calmed a little bit. The report yesterday we got from Zach Kiefer, who is over at the Athletic, said that the Colts were fearing a high ankle sprain, the dreaded high ankle sprain for. Um, running back Jonathan Taylor. They asked about his availability. They said they're obviously not sure, blah, blah, blah. Ian Rappaport, though, reported on Monday morning that the Colts now believe that this is nothing serious. It is a non-serious ankle injury. But, so we can kind of like maybe move off of the conversation of long-standing time missed and what that would have done, most likely to Naheem Hines. This does put in major questions of his availability for this um, this coming weekend. So, Brandon, we kind of dodged a bullet from this weekend on Jonathan Taylor. But if he's out, that's going to sting for all, you know, first overall or second overall picks for everybody. But Naheem Hines looks like he would be in an incredible situation for a workload this week. Yeah, I mean, I but he's not, you know, I mean, maybe they'd be willing to, if he re- if Jonathan Taylor really is like a one to two week injury, maybe they'd be re- willing to lean into Naheem Hines as kind of like a featurey kind of role, but not really kind of, you know, they're not equivalent. And and he's definitely truly more of a, a change of pace kind of back, kind of like saying, Hey, JD McKissick, you're going to be our lead carrier, you know, with, <laughs> with the commanders or something like that. So I'm expecting, you know, you know, 
somebody else would, would come into the mix, Deion Jackson, but um, but not serious on an ankle injury for a running back. Like I know in basketball, guys roll their ankles. They're out two to three weeks before they're back. So like an NFL running back that has to plant on that ankle, I'm guessing this, you know, even if it's just your run of the mill ankle injury, like a sprained ankle, rolled ankles, probably at least a two game injury. That would be my guess as well. Jake, any takeaways off of this? The dodging a major, major injury is great, but that's actually a great point. Even though they're kind of like poo-pooing it a little bit, they're like, ah, this is nothing serious. That doesn't mean it's not going to be two or three weeks, hopefully with some very clear injury tags so we know what's going on. But what do you think about (laughs) Taylor, Hines, or any replacements that could jump in, even if it's just for one week? Well, for the first part about it, is is it truly not a high ankle sprain is curious. We'll find out about that. But the thing we'll go back to is as much as I celebrated Saquon Barkley, let's not forget Saquon Barkley last year who went through something similar. If it's not high ankle because it wasn't high, it was mid last year um, or maybe mid and low, whatever it might be. Barkley came back and he wasn't himself for the rest of the year. Our own Dan Duggan even said that like he lost that second gear explosiveness where normally he's hitting that gear and he's avoiding that first level tacklers. He was getting hit time and again because he didn't have that burst anymore. So that's a concern with Jonathan Taylor. But for the replacement side of things, I keep saying this. It's funny. It's like a lot of people are Naheem Hines, Naheem Hines, Naheem Hines. I'm with what Funston just said. Yeah, there's a limit to Naheem Hines, though. Like, could he be McKissick? Like McKissick when he briefly filled in for Washington in years past and like an RB2? Sure, but Deion Jackson is going to be involved Let's not remember the Philip Lindsay. Everybody wants to see him back involved again. He's on their practice squad right now. I think there'll be somebody else involved where, yeah, sure, Naeem Hines, but I think that I would, in this scenario, unless I was desperate for a running back, I'd let somebody else drop the bag on Naeem Hines and then just try to find something else because I don't think it's going to be what people expect, and I think the over-aggressiveness is going to be way out of what you should do. Let's go full circle and let's have them sign Marlon Mack off the 49ers oh squad. And let's just go life full circle here. The only thing I would. Well, he was active this. last week. We'll have to see if he's active tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He was. Uh, the only thing I would counter with just a tiny bit that is a positive for Naheem. Because I agree, like you're not going to give Naheem Hines like 20 plus carries. You're not going to give him all of that. Most likely, like many running back situations, they would give early downs away. But what that does is, in my eyes, that puts Naheem Hines back out in the situations almost every time of what he's so great at. And it would be all the third downs. It would be all those passing downs where sometimes you're getting Jonathan Taylor just because of Jonathan Taylor. If those are all Naheem Hines, what you're doing is you're just increasing the area where Naheem Hines can succeed. And that might put up some half decent numbers where yeah, you can get a solid flex. <laughs> Matt Ryan still a quarterback. Yeah, the offense is horrible. That was actually <laughs> literally where I was going to go. The only counter is Matt Ryan is Awful. Whatever I was worried awful. about what was going to stop Jonathan Taylor from repeating his RB1 this year, the answer was Matt Ryan. Yeah. Oh, boy, it's gross. So much for that upgrade, right? Exactly. Uh, by, um, by the way, Jake, uh, Jordan Wilkins is an unsigned free agent right now as well. So oh, God, I used to always to call for Jordan again. Wilkins to, to get an opportunity there. Sign Jordan so Wilkins and Marlon Mack. It, the, the backfield would explode in a furious of an amazingness. Let's do it. So a more serious injury is over with the Broncos. Javante Williams, uh, the report, this was late last night, still kind of sitting out there for me in Rappaport, was Javante Williams is feared to have suffered a serious knee injury, according to sources. He's going to have an MRI today to determine the full extent, which we have not seen. But there is not, this is in his tweet, not a lot of optimism surrounding the injury. So Jake, this obviously screams Melvin Gordon to start. Melvin Gordon got banged up in the game and 
hates the football. He needs to do what was that movie where it was like was it Omar Epps had to hold the football around Program. campus? All the, pro, yeah, yeah. They, they, Melvin Gordon needs to do that. They need to do a little bit of that for a whole week. But there was a high snap usage for Mike Boone and Mike Boone. This they like to run the two running back, um, the two running back set. Anyways, Mike Boone looked all right. So you know, here you go. Javante looks like he's going to miss some time. Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone. How do you uh, sparse this out? I think they continue with what they what's work. I put that in quotes. Work, work kind of like this is going to be a split backfield. Uh, we go look at all the head coach too. This is even before Hackett got here. Hackett's old team. What does what does Hackett do? Splits the backfield, and they were already doing this last year before Hackett got there, and it just continued under Hackett. So I don't think anything is going to change. I think if Melvin Gordon's fine, it's going to be. The Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone party, the two of them. If Melvin Gordon wants to get benched because he can't hold on to the football and they bring somebody else in, sign somebody off somebody's practice squad, do something like it's still going to be a split. Uh, I would go after Mike Boone if you need running back help. If you lost Javante Williams, if you need a running back, go after Mike Boone. But I would not expect Javante Williams level, even if it is Mike Boone seeing the lead work with how Melvin Gordon is fumbling. So uh, I, I, Somewhat, I guess this is the time we're running to buys too, which is this is the worst thing. And this is why I'm kind of more aggressive of finding like the Jeff Wilson replacement a couple of weeks ago where I was saying, drop it, go for him 100% hard all in because I'd rather be dealing with Jeff Wilson right now than Mike Boone. Brandon, yeah. do you think there's going to see any increase from Melvin Gordon? Because I agree with this. I think Mike Boone is going to get some work. It's not going to feel sexy when you are putting Javante Williams on an IR and you're putting Mike Boone in and you're trying to talk. It's like talking to yourself in the mirror. You're like, we can do this. We, you can't, you're not going to be able to do it. Like Mike Boone's going to be rough as a start, but do you expect Melvin Gordon to even see any increase maybe in uh, more of the important situations, red zone situations, maybe a few more carries, or do you think it is just going to stay how it was? I don't think it's going to be Mike Boone's coming in and, and taking like the Javante. One thing I one thing I know in that game with Mike Boone came in is he was awful in the passing game. And I went and looked at his career numbers. He's done nothing in the passing game. And I think no. there's a reason for that. Like people have cried for Mike Boone to be on the field more often. And I think NFL coaches would have done that if he was a, a, a good receiver, because you can always put a guy in a change of pace role, get him out there and give him some run that way. He's never developed that way. And he was awful in the passing game. So I think he comes in as a Javante Williams runner like he'll he'll absorb a lot of the Javante Williams carries and split with Melvin mm -hmm. Gordon there but I think Melvin Gordon takes all of the passing game work a lot of it like I think he becomes the very dominant passing game guy and I think what ultimately like 60 40 yeah is like what I was thinking. okay yeah yeah but what was, what but what if his name was Mike Mac Wilkins <laughs> then then <laughs> I don't know what to do with that um <laughs> Yeah. What, what, what if his name was Mike MacBookins? I don't know. That's a good question. Let's get some athletic fantasy football jerseys made of Mick and Mac. What was it? Mike MacBookins? Wilkins. Wilkins. Oh, Marlon Mack, oh, Jordan oh, Wilkins, Mike, Mike Boone all together. It would be the best oh, running back in the history of football. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That, that, that yeah, sign me, me up for that. I like Sa that. Well, trade Saquon Barkley for him. <laughs> do you guys, and this is preemptive, uh, Jake, do you think that Melvin Gordon is an RB2 for week five? Yes. Okay. Brandon, do you agree? Who are they playing? I don't uh, care. That's a great question. Yeah, that <laughs> I didn't do that type of work here. Well, Brandon, no, but... because I actually, like, depending anyway. on who they're playing, I could, you, you might even convince me to go RB1. Like, I mean, it's we're Thursday at the point. Night. It's, the, it's the one for the Jonathan Taylor game. It's Thursday night. It's oh, yeah, yeah, it does. It's Colts, it's Colts and Broncos. Yeah, because you have the two biggest injuries. It could be close. I mean, you got Shaq Leonard, who is out again, you know, um, 
I'm just saying we're, we're, I was boosting Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert up into the RB one, you know, conversation last week. That's just where we are at running back. So like, eh, he's definitely RB two for me and probably uh, here, here's what you need. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you had to set him up. I'll, I'll get you. You know, it's just your first year. Well, so this is you have to set him up week five Rashad Penny or Melvin Gordon mm. against the Saints. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm going Melvin Gordon. There, said it. Really? Oh, God, man. Go. Me, and, me and Bogman on the ITL pod had a huge debate about Rashad, uh, Rashad Penny and his trade value. And he's on another planet right now. And uh, I don't know, like uh, Rashad Penny. Trade him for Cook. Trade him for Nasha Harris. Do it. Yeah. Well, if you could do it. Well, that's what that was a question. Like, I don't think you can trade Rashad Penny for uh, anything remotely close sure. to production. Well, I mean, I'm here for it. Let's get the comments in the next episode. Let me know what the comments <laughs> are saying. Let me hear all the should I start Penny or Cook? Let's get those, please. Uh, over on the Bills, one more injury. Uh, Jameson Crowder, broken ankle. That's going to be some serious time. You also had Isaiah McKenzie uh, get knocked a little bit. Gabe Davis has been relatively bad overall. Yeah. So this isn't about this isn't about Jamison Crowder necessarily so much as it is. Is this uh, Khalil Shakur time, Brandon? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Gabe Davis. We're just we're just waiting for his ankle to be all the way healthy again. Uh, I think Isaiah McKenzie. I, I think it, we're, we're in very short time. Um, we're talking about Shakur as the fourth option among receivers in this offense. So like, I'm not willing to, you know, bet anything on Shakur long-term right now, because I just think Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis are going to be right in in short order. So I'm, you know, he's interesting, but Jamison Crowder is kind of like the injury to Crowder is like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound, you know, kind of. And maybe this is more about McKenzie. (laughs) Maybe this is not meant to be about Shakur. It's just a big powered offense. That's going to create some um, some excitement around. It's just there were also Davis is not right. You've got McKenzie was a little bit banged, but Jake, maybe this is more about McKenzie. McKenzie Shakur. Is there going to be increased interest mm-hmm. moving forward with Crowder out? No, this is your window to buy low on Gabriel Davis. This is what it is. Oh. That's what it's about. This is uh, everybody going falling over themselves to draft Gabriel Davis inside the top twenty. Uh, we had articles on the site talking about how is he not top twenty in your ranks? Blah blah blah. And this is like. Funston just said he's not 100 percent mean, there was even talk into this game that he still wasn't and it's clear he's still not 100 percent. this is your bio window the concern i have for mckenzie is that of all people when jake kumaro not even the same position and role on this team but when kumaro was active for those two times mckenzie was fourth on the option behind him and again it's not the same role uh mckenzie versus crowder was never really a thing mckenzie had already taken over that role so Maybe uh, I do like Shakira and maybe I have a soft spot because I feel like I should have talked to him at the combine. I was actually talking to Jamie Eisenberg and the worst. This was probably one of the worst run combines of interviews I've ever seen in my life is they were bringing him out sporadically and not at the same. And we're sitting there getting ready to go to lunch and they bring out Shakir by himself at 1220. There are like 10 people in the room and Shakir goes up to this podium and there's nobody. And I'm like, no. oh my God, I feel terrible for this kid. And I wanted to go talk to him because like I said, like I jokingly compared him to like Debo. Everyone wants the next Debo because he runs out of the backfield well. I was like, but I kind of didn't know what else to like talk about for 10 minutes. And I didn't want to leave him up there. So I didn't want to be the guy that like goes there and be like, so uh, do you play video games? Because I just felt, and fortunately after about three or four minutes, like three people walked over. I was about to after at that but point. But was he but maybe standing I, there alone for three minutes? For like three minutes. For three no. minutes, like nobody's like, just he's just sitting there at the podium with nobody to talk to. Oh. So maybe, I, and I say that to 
say like maybe I have a soft spot for him. Like I want to see it happen for him after witnessing that in person. But I do really believe that it is Gabe Davis by low window, and that's what the truth is here. Mm, well, you mentioned about. the Debo Samuel type of stuff, so that can get a soft spot for me really quickly if they start doing some of the watch yeah. some of his runs. Watch yeah. some of his runs at the college. There he had the Debo back, but I, the way that you're, I, I'll tell you this one thing I was wrong about the Bills. The bell cow used for Singletary, I did not think was going to continue into this year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get, by the way, you know, I was so hard-pressed about Singletary last week, and it was like, I'm a Singletary, I'm the highest guy in Singletary. Not really a win, but the bell cow stuff keeps going on, like you said. He even had a fumble, he got back in it. Uh, every prop, that was what I was talking about, every prop hit for him, because no one is accounting for him. Rushing prop hit, receiving hit in the second quarter, uh, reception prop he just got to get, you know, I mean, that offense wasn't flowing as well. If I could have got that touchdown, it really would have paid off. But, you know, he has been the bell cow. He has been the guy. Speaking of which, just real quick, I would like to see McKenzie use in a Debo role in that offense. I think he would be really great for that. I'd love to see you get in the ball a little bit Some more. But assume that would happen. You would think, but, you know, whatever offenses. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is back. Maybe on the touchdowns he was in that same game. 13 for 41 with a rushing touchdown. Also caught four passes for a touchdown on many people's bench. Many, many people were celebrating the bench, the all bench team of J.K. Dobbins. Luckily for me, it was not because I played in a lot of deeper leagues. I had him in flex. I finally got to use him after getting killed for drafting him. And now I had to wait till week four. Jake is J.K. Dobbins back in a comfortable spot for you yes. that you don't have to worry about matchups. You just start. Yes. And go. That's this is what we just wanted to see him 100%. Uh, we referenced it on this show last week, and I brought up Virginia Zakis and inside injuries saying it was going to take some time and potentially by the end of September. Guess what? It's October. Whether or not he had the four games like Barkley last year to get here, he got here by the time off, and the Ravens played the long game with him and didn't do what they did. Like the Giants did with Barkley is they just had him out there in week one. It was like, oh, Barkley doesn't look 100%. And the Raven said, we're going to make sure he's ready, make sure he's ready, make sure he's ready. First week back, they don't use him 100%. Like, all right, let's get the rust shaken off. Week two, gone, done. Everything's over. We're, we're back inside the top 20 every single week. And I say only top 20 because he's still in a backfield with Lamar Jackson who's going to run. He still is touchdown reliant because he's not going to get 20 carries in a game unless they're destroying somebody and blowing them out. And even in that case, he might get benched just to keep him healthy. So that's why. But going forward, I don't care if he's facing the Saints run defense. I don't care if he's facing the Seahawks run defense. Actually, if he's facing the Seahawks and Lions run defense, I might put him inside the top 10. But he's top 20. Just start him going forward. Brandon, same thing with uh, J.K. Dobbins. No more will he sit and score points on any benches for you. Yeah, right. I mean, he hit 17 touches. That's kind of what we wanted to see. Like, you know, Michael Salfino keeps referencing it over the last couple of weeks that Justin Hill looks better. And I think that's probably just speaks to the fact that J.K. Dobbins, even though they're giving him more run, he is not going to be the full J.K. Dobbins. Maybe not even this year, but um, he can be good enough. And, you know, the 17, the volume is what we needed to see. And he, he was a touchdown machine as a rookie. Um like I think the second half of the year he scored like every game and and here he is again and encouraging for me to see that he's actually the last two weeks got six catches done something meaningful in the passing game which isn't something that Ravens running backs typically do so JK Dobbins when you go back to his rookie year had some nice receiving games mixed in sometimes he was completely ignored but I think they you know Lamar Jackson feels pretty good about dumping the ball off to him and that's that should be encouraging as well going forward early early week J.K. Dobbins or Melvin Gordon? 
Week five. Dobbins. I, I'm going to go Gordon. I, I think they're close. I, I think I'll rank Gordon higher, though. Okay. I wanted to see where we are. We were working. Again, we were I don't even that. know. I don't even know who's playing who yet. Like I have no uh, you've got Ravens playing the Bengals on Sunday night football at home, and then we had the Broncos are hosting the Colts at home also. Yeah. So I will home. take I'll take Gordon slightly. Okay, so that maybe that'll be a good debate we can keep looking at. Uh it is the Kenny Pickett era. Small hands or not, he is the quarterback. Mixed reviews. I actually called this uh, on a Sunday stream I was doing. I called Kenny Pickett coming in, and it's mixed reviews. Two rushing touchdowns, definitely throws a nice ball, moves around in the pocket, but threw three picks. Two, if you watch the game, though, one really bad. The other two, I really don't put crazy on him. One was at the end of the game or the half, and the other was his very first pass, which uh, hit Claypool kind of in the hands. He threw in a double coverage, which was stupid, but Claypool didn't make a really great move for it. So Kenny Pickett is in, and one of the biggest takeaways I had was, my God, does he love George Pickens. It is going to be Pickett to Pickens, as uh, George Pickens had eight targets, six catches, 102 yards. So, Brandon, let's start with you. Kenny Pickett in Superflex is interesting, but this really feels like a boost in my eyes to George Pickens, but how much for you? Yeah, I think you often see that with the rookies coming in and they work together. They get extended you know, work in the early summer and things like that, so... Like that, there's that. Uh, there's also the fact that George Pickens is really talented and, you know, he's got a few games under his belt and we should expect to see George Pickens get better and better and better as the year goes on, even if it was Mitch Trubisky still a quarterback. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, two of those picks weren't really his, weren't really on him. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, he moves around pretty good. I mean, that last one, I, I was I'll like give him okay. one and a half. Last one's nonsense. The first one, I think <laughs> the, you can the first make one an was argument just for. Stupid. It was. But dumb. you know, it the was. last one was like a sixty-yard chuck, so that was at least. Oh, I that's what I said. It, one and a half. One I know. And a half. I, I was actually. I was. I was like, can 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 you pick it? Get it down there and, and let you know. Oh no no no. So a, I definitely don't fault him for that one. I give him a half for the Claypool one because I'm like, all right, Claypool almost bailed him out. That's what I'm yeah. going with with that one. It, I guess I, I was making excuses because I was like, man, that's a nice, pretty ball that he got up and came down in. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks make that type of pass. So I thought that was like the prototypical jump catch ball. So I guess I was giving him extra credit for that. But yeah, I was, you throw in the yeah. double coverage in Claypool is probably not the smartest yeah. move. Uh, Jake, I think George Pickens can be seen as a wide receiver three moving forward. Uh, hard disagree or can you get down with that? Mm, I can get down with that. I'm going to talk about a waiver wire order. I've been telling people to stash Pickens forever. And like they, I've made the joke on the show. And as soon as they drafted, it's like he was, Claypool announced the better wide receiver. The only issue with Pickens was the off-the-field issues, which he went to Mike Tomlin. And that's an amazing situation for anybody who has off-field issues because he's one of the best at helping players with that. So Pickens' talent was ne- is undeniable. So like a ton of, The unfortunate thing is I feel bad is because this past week, we're now in week four. And some people had to make roster cuts. And it's like, I have to cut one for a defense. And it's like, well, I guess Pickens because he needs the quarterback change. And I felt like they were he was digging in his heels and he was going to wait. If you look at the next two games, I said this. So there's two things. So let me say this before everybody, because if they saw my tweet, they're going to be like, you just said blank. But they're headed to Buffalo. And then they have another tough matchup after Buffalo. I think it's Denver. And we were like, well, he's going to wait till after that. And I made the comment and I said, if Pickett's going to come in the NFL and play so poorly against these two teams that he can't succeed in the NFL, then he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. And I said that. It's like sometimes we overrate the whole like, well, they face this team this week, this team this week. This like seems like the best week for him to start. Look, he's supposed to be an NFL quarterback. He's supposed to be able to play against anybody. And that's what I was saying. But the thing was, is I was on the side that I thought 
I thought Tomlin was going to dig his heels in and it'd be a few more weeks. So unfortunately, if you did drop him, turn right around and go after him. He's inside my top three snake preview as the end of the show. Uh, like he is way up there on go get pickings if you had to drop him. In that same game, we also got, mm, I, well, I'm going to say this, but you know, you guys refute it. I'm not sure we really, really got a full answer and look. But we got a little sneak peek into what Zach Wilson looks like with these wide receivers and how it runs. Elijah Moore ended up getting four targets, three catches for 53 yards. But I'll tell you, if you watch that game, it just felt like he had more. Uh, Garrett Wilson, six targets, but could only pull two down for 41 yards. And Tyler Conklin did not disappear, which might have been a surprise for some. Jake, uh, what do you think? Do you think we saw enough out of this to have our answers that, hey, guess what? Unfortunately, Wilson and Moore are probably going to be monopolized to the point where they're at best wide receiver threes, both of them moving forward and not trustworthy. Or do you think you saw enough out of one side that you can feel great about Wilson or Moore or any of that? I think part of it, too, is you also left out one of the names that was still involved there is Corey Corey Davis. Davis. I I think this is very so on all in football today. I compared him. I said, I think it's the Washington Commanders. And you're going to have all three. You're going to have frustrating potential weeks here and there where one of the three produces and it's not the one you hope. Uh, you try to play the matchups. And if you look at target share just for week four, Corey Davis actually had the highest 20 is 20, 20.6%, 17.6 for Wilson and 11.8. Uh, the interesting thing is who ran the most routes, Elijah Moore yet again. And so it's basically route order is reverse. It's more Wilson Davis. The target share went Davis Wilson Moore. What again, what I think this comes down to is remember the Washington commanders, Dotson caught a touchdown, but it was messy for McLaurin. McLaurin the first two weeks didn't get the touchdowns, but had the yards. And then, of course, Curtis Samuel was going off. I think we have to face that. I would say as of one game, still Wilson, maybe barely than more than Davis, but it could be interchangeable and it could be frustrating going forward. Uh, If somebody wants to give you top 20 value for Wilson right now, still, I might look to get out of it. It's like the old school, like it's the Walmart version of that Rams team that had Robert Woods, Cup, and Brandon Cooks. And every week it was kind of like going in different directions. This is the Walmart version of that with Elijah Moore, yeah. Corey Davis, and Garrett and Wilson. And Corey, uh, uh, Corey Wilson. Uh, Garrett Wilson also had half the air yards per target than Moore and Corey Davis to show how his usage was with Zach Wilson. Yeah, Brandon, same thing. I mean, more Wilson. <laughs> is there Are there worries in general? I mean, unfortunately, it does feel like they're going to kind of just eat into each other, and I think all their values take a hit. Yeah, I think the only thing I'll add to this is that, I mean, Zach Wilson just brings a higher ceiling to the equation. There is there's a greater level of volatility with him, but it, there is some gunslingerness to him, and, and, you know, he has a live arm, and there are going to be disappointments with one to two of these receivers each week, but there's also going to be the potential for one of them to just have this, you know, this big play that that helps carry your fantasy club. So I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a raised ceiling here, potentially even a lowered floor because Joe Flacco, you know, for all of it, it's like, Flacco was throwing 45, 60 times a game. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like Wilson, I think could, you know, there's more likelihood that a Moore or a Wilson could have a zero with Zach Wilson than with Joe Flacco. Oh, sure. But let me let me push back in this way. At least with Joe Flacco, we knew it was Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, and that's it. Yeah. Even throwing the ball 50 times a game. I think this I agree with you potentially have a higher ceiling overall, but I think we now got more of a cluster. Yeah. And except and for in the backfield where Brees Hall looks like he's, you know, clearly putting distance. Uh, 
between the guy. It's going to take time. Week four, it's over. Yeah, yeah and he <laughs> looks phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Shout out to him for cashing my uh, rushing yard prop as well. So <laughs> thank you, Brees Hall. Uh, let's talk about waivers. Brandon, we'll start with you. This is your the preview to the waivers this week. I always set this as a top three. You guys are welcome to adjust as you want and how aggressive this looks like. So let's get the preview for your uh, top three on waivers for week five coming off of week four. Yeah, and I, you know, this is just kind of, I always had to put, do the caveat. You might not be fishing for running backs, you know, but mo- more people are looking for running back help than wide receiver help. So I put the running backs up top, but like we've already talked about it. If you're looking for a wide receiver, um, George Pickens would be my one. And I think Alec Pierce, you know, last couple of weeks, 60 and 80 yards, um, uh, you know, maybe they're leaning more on the passing game with Jonathan Taylor out as well um, if he's out for But I think Alec Pierce is someone I'm interested in as well. I, I put him behind Pickens. Um, Mike Boone, we talked about it. You know, we think he's going to probably get 40% of that backfield. Um, so I think you have to go out and grab him. And I put Isaiah Pacheco number two. This is, you know, this is a game that looked like it was a runaway for the Chiefs. It got a little bit closer, but Pacheco got another 11 carries. Jerick. McKinnon wasn't involved like um, I'm just you know I'm I'm just gonna sit on Pacheco and wait and I you know I was going back and forth with you know Benjamin and Isaiah Pacheco a couple weeks ago whether who I wanted to drop because I had to drop somebody and I you know I remember I, I texted Jake I'm like you know what what am I doing here but I was just like you know what Pacheco's the long he's the long-term play like he's you know just kind of ride this one out you know it's you know role doesn't likely change but Pacheco's could very well change we don't know but CEH, you know, goes out and has a really good game. So that kind of puts things on hold for a little bit. But there is the second half potential for Pacheco to be be a really big deal. It's probably the right move, but I'd probably be wanting to get, you know, Benjamin back up, by the way. Just yeah, after he looks he good. Yeah, I, text, I texted Bogman when I was watching this game and I had a little bet on it. And I was like, where's James Conner? I never saw James Conner. He ended up having his carries and stuff like that. But I felt like I never saw him out there. So, you know, Benjamin would be someone that's interesting uh, for, for me, at least to pick up. I thought it was interesting what you said in that, like, if you need a wide receiver. Though sometimes I think when you look at waivers, though, there is a it doesn't matter what you need situation yeah. or you're in the middle. So, you know, Jake, I throw it to you as you're going to give yours. Is there a situation where it's like, hey, if you just kind of like, you know, need either of them, is the running back going to be prioritized over the wide receiver? Or do you think a guy like George Pickens is more worth any running back that you could pick up this week? So if you don't need anything at all uh, these running back options are temporary replacements unless it's algier uh, i think that algier could be a top 25 running back especially if cordell patterson misses time well more so specifically if he misses time or atlanta starts trying to get him hurt every single week and <laughs> splits this down like a 50 50 because i think he is the more powerful runner and if you're looking for this offense when you know valuable touches i think algier might be the only one again this is pure upside if you need immediate help it's going to be mike boone maybe Dion jackson depending on if they do call anybody up if they don't call anybody up that might be your telling thing and i'm kind of assuming that naive minds isn't out there so this is basically say colt's backfield see how that shakes out uh, with Mike Boone, but Algier would be if the pure upside running backs. Uh, Brian Robinson would actually be my number one for running backs if you're looking for your pure upside. The Antonio Gibson has gone down in snap share week by week by week by week. It's 41%. Yep, four-week low. It keeps ticking down. And f- it's strange because he really hasn't done much to change the opinion. Like, he's not fumbling. He's not 
performing poorly. He's not Melvin Gordon out there. Like, I, I don't understand the tick down. I don't know if they're getting ready for Brian Robinson's return or something, but it was kind of strange. So I think that's kind of telling, but it is George Pickens. If you want the pure upside, uh, it, all things being equal, I would lead towards the running back. I would go Brian Robinson or Algier just because they're harder to find. And we're just about to hit those 16 bye weeks, which is just going to be miserable. People are going to be looking for running backs everywhere. Uh, so I would still lean to that. But if you're flush at running back, it would definitely be George Pickens. He is inside my top three. I like Pacheco, but more is long-term stash. It looked like it might be McKinnon's next one up. And I agree with Funston on the Pacheco thing, but I would put Pacheco behind Algier, Brian Robinson. So that means Pickens would usurp all of that. That's where he would fall. And Brian Robinson probably still out there for some. I think last week was the big move if he was sitting out to pick him up, but 54% on Yahoo, which, you know, still means plenty. Plenty of leagues are going to have him out there, and it's probably a good time to pick him up. I'll tell you what, he's on Sleeper because Sleeper makes it so easy to find out, but <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah, Robinson's but a like, tough one. Like, does he come in and just become the bell cow? Like, or is he splitting with Gibson? Like, it's a crappy he's, team. Like, He's Ron on Rivera, Ron Rivera if they lose two games in a row, is he is Ron Rivera make it to the second half of the season if they are this like feels, one and six? This feels like one that builds similar to Michael Carter and Brees Hall. I think it's going to take a couple weeks uh, because he's also, also got McKissick in there. And I can't imagine they jump right into a bell cow situation, but you should pick up Brian Robinson. Also talent and, uh, you know, ta- talent jumps over all of these, even though it's going to be dicey when bye weeks come in. Friends, that is the episode if you guys are wanting more waiver, if you're thirsty and hungry for more waiver wire stuff, make sure you are locked into the All In Kid on Twitter so you can see the uh, the waiver wire article that's going to be coming out. Right, usually you drop it like right at like midnight on Tuesday into Wednesday, right? Yep, that right. Yeah, so yep. uh, stay, stay up, up late for Monday Night Football. Yep, uh, miss work, stay up late, and uh, read all the article three times over. Make sure you do it. Make sure you sign up with The Athletic so you can do so. And make sure you are subscribed <laughs> to this podcast so you can hang with us later in the week as we are going to be giving you all the stuff for week five. For Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, I'm Chris Welsh, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. Later.